In the last year, there have been literally hundreds of proposals in Congress that in some way mention China, around 299. So once COVID-19, the disease caused by a new coronavirus, began gripping everyone's attention early this year, we should have seen a lull in proposals that mention China. But since the virus was declared a global pandemic and began hitting U.S. cities in March, that hasn't exactly been the case. Anna Ashton is Senior Director of Government Affairs at the U.S.-China Business Council. She tracks these proposals in Congress. COVID-19, the outbreak here in the United States, it likely will push some China-related policy initiatives to the back burner for the remainder of this Congress. But others, especially those related to supply chain security and over-reliance or perceived over-reliance on China for critical goods, those are getting more attention, actually. Those initiatives are here to stay, and in some ways, they pose an insidious threat to cooperation. First, lawmakers were concerned with preventing the virus from spreading to the United States, and they were calling for more precautionary measures like screenings at airports and travel advisories, which eventually went into place. So let's fast forward to now. Yeah, well, you'd expect that with um, COVID-19 overtaking everyone's lives and monopolizing lawmakers' attention, many of the 300 or so China-related proposals in the 116th Congress uh, might be indefinitely on hold. But actually, the outbreak has become a catalyst for pushing forward on some China policy issues. Since the beginning of March, we've seen 22 new China-related legislative proposals, even as Congress has been uh, almost entirely overtaken by efforts to try to respond with relief measures. Eight of, of those pieces of legislation are directly related to COVID-19. There are um, companion pieces of legislation in the House and Senate calling for international investigations into China's handling of the outbreak. There are also companion resolutions calling for condemnation of China for its handling of the outbreak. And there are um, a couple of bills that would require China to develop, a, or sorry, require the United States to develop a list of country of origin pharma products. Um, that's aimed at addressing perceived overdependence on China for critical goods like pharmaceuticals and personal uh, protective equipment. One, one, one bill would ban the use of federal funds to buy certain supplies from China. And then another uh, calls for Treasury to seek reimbursement from China for COVID-19 damages. A big theme here is U.S. supply chains, perceived overdependence on China in our supply chains, um, reasons to lessen dependence on China, a need to bring jobs back home, or at least to better diversify supply chains for critical goods. This isn't a new concern brought about by the COVID-19 pandemic, but an existing concern that has been amplified by the outbreak here. In the United States, plainly, um, plainly evident shortage of everything from masks to ventilators. Before COVID-19, it seemed like only a small sect of the U.S. government was following medical supply chains. I know some in the administration and in Congress had started to probe the issue, but it definitely wasn't in the forefront. And China is one of the world's largest producers of personal protective equipment, but it's also one of the world's leading producers of almost everything. So can you help us understand how dependent the United States actually is on China for PPE and other critical drugs? This is a really good question because I think that there there is some misunderstanding out there. And some recent analysis of trade data by the Peterson Institute's Chad Bown shed surprising light on the realities of U.S. sourcing of PPE as well as Chinese supplies of those items. 
China is among the world's largest producers and suppliers of PPE to the global marketplace, but it didn't actually account for much of the total U.S. market last year. China accounted for one-third of all U.S. imports of personal protective equipment in 2019, and that's, that's only 5% of the total U.S. personal protective equipment market. That's partly because of tariffs. In 2018 and 2019, the Trump administration imposed tariffs of as much as 25% on a lot of these goods, some of which um, have since been lifted, but a lot are still in place. U.S. imports of PPE from China in 2019 were down 18% from 2017 levels, and they were up 23% um, from Europe. It's possible we'll see a shift there in these numbers in the coming months since China is actively exporting surplus product, resulting from its ramped up manufacturing during its own COVID-19 outbreak, whereas much of Europe has currently restricted exports of various goods, uh, at least temporarily. As for the active pharmaceutical ingredients, while there are numerous proposals on and off the hill to address potential vulnerabilities of the U.S. being overly reliant on China, the rhetoric really just doesn't entirely match realities. The truth is, the U.S. imported $150 billion in finished pharmaceuticals last year, and only $2.5 billion of that came from China. Both domestically and internationally, we're seeing a mix of actions to address supply shortages a push and pull between imposing temporary export restrictions and temporarily or permanently ramping up domestic production. But on the other hand, there's also calls for greater international cooperation and a freer flowing of trade. So it seems like these are two competing narratives that are playing out at the same time. So how is this all going to turn out? For sure, Erin, there definitely really is this push and pull. Um, and the push and pull in response to COVID-19 is just the latest chapter in a much broader ongoing debate, a debate that pits nationalism against globalism and open markets against increased protectionism. This isn't a settled debate in the United States or China, of course, but in the COVID-19 context, the two nations have displayed some starkly different behaviors on the world stage, with the U.S. arguably ceding to China the international leadership it would previously have been relied upon to demonstrate. So back in February, um, the U.S. government pledged support to China and other countries, up to $100 million worth of support to China. But by its own admission, the U.S. government's pledge was dwarfed by U.S. private sector assistance, which was in the hundreds of millions. The U.S. government announced in February that it had facilitated the transportation of nearly 17.8 tons of donated medical supplies to the Chinese people, which included masks, gowns, gauze, respirators, and other key products to help contain and combat the virus. Uh, but, you know, it's unclear what percentage of those supplies were donated by the U.S. government itself versus the percentage that the U.S. government was facilitating donation of, but that were coming from the U.S. private sector. China has since indicated that it didn't receive the pledged assistance from the U.S. government. We know that the private sector assistance got there. Not sure exactly what U.S. government assistance arrived. China has increasingly promoted greater international cooperation, uh, even as it has maintained many longstanding protectionist policies, not just in the context of COVID, but um, in general. In the COVID context, China did impose some export restrictions at the height of its outbreak, um, and Chinese exports of essential medical supplies did fall during the height of, of its COVID-19 outbreak, like in the January and February period. But um, it really didn't fall as much as expected. It was only about a 15% drop. So it's actually been reported that countries 
now under immense pressure to supply their own medical systems with proper equipment, are enacting policies to prevent equipment produced in their country from going elsewhere. I think that number is at some 70 countries now. Where does the United States stand in all of this? And how about China? Well, now that outbreaks have unfolded in other nations and China has on, you know, on its side substantially recovered from its outbreak, China has actually delivered or pledged to deliver assistance to at least 82 countries that are fighting their own outbreaks. China does have in place some restrictions on exports, but at this point, they're mainly aimed at ensuring that anything sent out of the country is of appropriate quality so that goods delivered to the rest of the world actually work the way they're supposed to. The United States is among the countries China has aided via cooperation at the federal level, direct engagement at the state level as states source their own equipment, uh, and private sector to private sector cooperation too. Uh, former Alibaba CEO Jack Ma donated a million masks and half a million gowns, I believe, to the United States in March. And since then, he has sent similar plane loads of supplies to France, Spain, Italy, Belgium, and other nations. So it sounds like China is undertaking some serious disaster diplomacy. How does that compare with the United States? Yeah, this is an odd situation because this is traditionally an area of strength for the United States. To be fair, you know, the U.S. is in the midst of our outbreak, whereas China is recovering. So this isn't necessarily the moment where the U.S. is best prepared to help. We're, we're having a hard time meeting our own needs. But it also is reflected in the way that our, our respective leaders are messaging on the world stage. So at a virtual meeting of the G20 leaders in late March, for instance, Chinese President Xi Jinping very explicitly urged greater cooperation and coordination between countries to address the pandemic. And he said China would increase its supply of active pharmaceutical ingredients, daily necessities, and anti-epidemic goods and other supplies to the international market. There have been some very public examples of Chinese aid since then. After Italy was unable to get sufficient supplies of protective clothing and equipment from its European neighbors, for instance, China sent masks and ventilators um, and medical teams, and that aid, the shipments of that aid, arrived with the Chinese flag and the words, the friendship road knows no borders. In contrast, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo stymied the G7 from arriving at a unified statement on joint efforts to combat the pandemic late last month when other member countries refused to bow to his demand that the statement refer to COVID-19 as the Wuhan virus. This is a more important time than ever for both the United States and China to be leading efforts to encourage international cooperation and to be putting aside our differences as best we can in order to cooperate with each other, you know, leading by example. I think it's still possible that we could get on the same page together to do that. But there's a lot of politics, truthfully, a lot of politics on both sides, a lot of high level statements that really undermine uh, that kind of effort. The China Business Review podcast is a production of the U.S.-China Business Council. To learn more about what we do, visit uschina.org. Our music is by Ryan Anderson. If you like the show, be sure to leave us a rating and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon.